May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. This week, I'm joined by my colleague, Jonathan Temption. We're going to talk about arbitration. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well, Rich. How are you? I'm good. Arbitration is one of those things. Many people have heard of it, but until you've actually been through it, you don't quite know what it is. So why don't you start, Jonathan? What is arbitration in a nutshell? Sure. Arbitration uh, is an alternative dispute resolution mechanism that litigants sometimes use so they don't actually have to go to court. So they don't have to file public papers. So they don't have to go through the sometimes very expensive and very long and tedious process of the judicial system. It's a way that they can more efficiently and economically handle their disputes privately. Right. And you mentioned alternate dispute resolution. That encompasses a bigger universe of things. It includes mediation. It includes settlement discussions and other forms of dispute resolution that we sometimes do out of court. But that's a pretty broad topic. And this is a pretty short podcast. So we're going to focus on arbitration. Um, What does it take to get a dispute into arbitration as opposed to Uh, state or federal court? Sure. So arbitration is a creature of contract. You can only arbitrate if the parties had agreed to it beforehand, subject to certain caveats. If you have time for a war story, there was a matter I was handling a few years ago involving three contracts, and only one of them had an arbitration provision. And my client sued under all three in arbitration. And one of the issues that the arbitrator had to figure out is whether the all three contracts were under his jurisdiction or whether we had to go to court and litigate under two of the three. And the result was the arbitrator determined you have to arbitrate under all three, even though there was an arbitration provision in only one of the contracts. So while arbitration is a creature of contract, there are circumstances where you can pull in other agreements and other issues if you can relate them to the arbitration agreement. That's a good point. Also, you know, it's a creature of contract, but the contract can be made before or after the dispute arises, right? Of course. Right. So there are lots of contracts in the world today that require arbitration if there's a dispute. And those are, we we call those pre-dispute arbitration agreements. And you see them a lot in commercial contracts where the parties have just decided if we get in a fight later, we're not going to court, we're going to go to arbitration. But you also see them in a lot of contracts where all of the bargaining power seems to be on one side, right? Right. And, and one of the things we talk to clients about all the time is reviewing arbitration agreements before they actually go ahead and sign it. I mean, there are instances where the arbitration of provision itself is very limited, narrow, or sometimes it's very broad and will encompass a lot of things that maybe the client didn't intend. When it's a limited arbitration provision and you go to court to try to enforce it, the court may say, well, you only go to arbitration over that one small thing you agreed to and the rest stays here. And that sometimes can be complicated. So one of the things that we always advise clients to do is to run those provisions with us so we can review them and vet them. 
Yeah, that's good advice. You know, they show up too in employment agreements. If you've ever opened an investment account, there's probably an agreement in there to arbitrate many other kinds of contracts. You know, those buttons you press on the internet that say you've read the agreement. And I know out there you haven't really read the agreement, but you press the button anyway to get to the next screen. A lot of those might include arbitration agreements. You know, I was just looking at my car lease and it says in the very top of it, arbitration agreement attached. And lo and behold, when you turn to the other side, I agreed to arbitrate a claim under my lease, my car lease. There you go. And generally speaking, the courts enforce these arbitration agreements. And I would even say like them. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. If you actually go ahead and look at all the cases and if you litigate this kind of issue over and over again, you see the courts favor enforcing arbitration provisions and public policy favors enforcing arbitration provisions. Courts are thrilled to be able to send cases to arbitration if the agreement provides for it. Right. There's a federal statute called the Federal Arbitration Act, and it applies to agreements affecting interstate commerce, and it establishes what the courts have called an emphatic national policy favoring arbitration. So I guess, Jonathan, we got to figure out if there is a valid agreement to arbitrate and also what it covers. How do we do that? Well, it's, it's a two-step analysis. The first step is, is there a valid agreement in general? Is there an agreement that the parties are contractually bound by? The second step is, does that agreement contain an arbitration provision that's binding on them? And what's the scope of it? You go down each one of those steps. Is there a valid contract? That's for the court to decide. That's something a court would determine. The next step the scope of the arbitration provision and, and the case law on this is absolutely clear. Are you within the scope of the arbitration agreement? If it says it's for the arbitrator to decide, the arbitrator is deciding it, not the court. Right. So once, once you have a valid agreement, you're stuck in arbitration and it's for the arbitrator to figure out what he can or she can hear or decide. That's right. And the arbitrator is going to decide it. And once the arbitrator does decide it, it is the rarest of circumstance for the court to step in and second guess what the arbitrator decides. Right. We'll get to that. Okay. So arbitration, you know, I know where to go to court. Courthouse is uh, right down on Center Street. Where do I go if I need to arbitrate? Luckily, there are a number of services that are available that provide this. There's the AAA, there's JAMS, there's NAM. This is one of the interesting quirks about arbitration provisions. Very often, the provision will say where you have to go. So common language in an arbitration provision will be, you have to arbitrate the claim before the American Arbitration Association. Parties contracted for it. It's right in the agreement. That's where you go to file your arbitration. Some of the arbitration provisions will not only say where you have to arbitrate or with which service, but also the, the actual location. You have to arbitrate with before the American Arbitration Association in New York. So it's very often these provisions will be specific on the service you have to use and the location of the arbitration. Right. And there's also some industry-related arbitration services, most prominently FINRA, which is a place you would arbitrate a dispute with your uh, investment advisor by way of example. And all of these entities have their own procedural rules and their own 
lists of arbitrators to pick from and appoint and their own way of doing business. So I get asked all the time, do I want to go to arbitration? That's a good question from a client. Uh, They might ask me at the time of the dispute or before the dispute, is it a good thing or a bad thing? So what are the pros? Why would someone want to go to arbitration? Sure. The answer I give to clients to that question is the stock lawyer answer. Well, it depends. And some of the pros are it's quicker. You know, it's some litigation, commercial litigation can take years. It's just the process. It's just the judicial system right now. That's right. You and I did an arbitration last year where we filed the arbitration, I think, in February, and we had an award, a decision and an award in October. And you would you would never get something done that quickly in the courts. Absolutely not. So that's a main feature of arbitration. It's fast and it's not even close to a commercial case. If you're in New York state courts, you're there for a year and the services that, that's provided is just much slower. So one of, that's one of the central features of, of arbitration. Another feature would be that it's a confidential process. When you file court documents, they're publicly available. And it's not like it was 30 years ago where if someone wanted to access a court file, they had to go all the way to the courthouse and get out the hard copy file and make photocopies if they wanted to take it. Nowadays, everything's online. So the general public can access court records. And and a lot of times that includes what's publicly available are sensitive emails and sensitive documents that aren't necessarily sealed to the public. Through arbitration, it's a lot more of a confidential process. Your information's not out there and accessible on the internet. That's also a main feature. And that's actually one of the, the central features that our clients like like to take advantage of if they can when they draft their contracts, because they know that their dispute will be handled privately. Yeah, that's good. And what are some of the cons? Why would someone rather not be in arbitration? Well, the con could be a pro, depending upon, this con could be a pro, depending upon how you look at it. But the arbitrator's decision really is final. Courts don't want to step in and second guess what the arbitrator decides. So if you have an arbitrator who maybe doesn't get your case quite like you do, or doesn't quite understand the law or see the law the same way you do, they may not rule in your favor and and you're more or less stuck with that decision. Some lawyers love discovery. Some lawyers love to get a lot of documents and serve other kinds of discovery demands like interrogatories. They like to take depositions. Arbitration, that really doesn't happen quite so much. It's a lot more of a limited discovery process. You have to be more targeted. Usually you have to get permission to take depositions, no interrogatories. That's a cost savings to your client. Some lawyers really like to use the discovery process to flesh out the facts prior to trial or in this this case, hearing. So a con is you don't really have the usual discovery devices available to you that you would ordinarily have if you were in court. Yeah, I think those are right. I have one more that could be a pro or a con, depending on what side of the dispute you're on. By the nature of the beast, arbitrators are not quite as bound by the law as the courts are. Courts do things very much in accordance with case precedent and how they decide it. And arbitrators don't really have to. I mean, they can't go crazy, but they don't need to follow the law. And they're much more likely to invoke 
equitable principles to resolve a dispute. And if you have a dispute where you feel like you're on the right side of fairness, but maybe not on the right side of the law, you might rather be in arbitration. And contrary, if you think you have really good legal defenses, but your case isn't very good, it seems a little bit unfair to take your position, you might rather be in court. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And to the point you're making, when you're in court and you go to trial, very often you're in front of a jury. And when you're doing a trial in front of a jury, there's rules of evidence. And the courts really apply those rules of evidence. They don't stray from them because they're subject to reversible error on appeal. At hearing and in arbitration, the rules of evidence aren't followed quite as closely. And the arbitrator has a little bit, has more discretion on what they can, quote unquote, admit into evidence than it would be if you were at a jury trial. So some practitioners love jury trials, love the rules of evidence, want to follow it very closely. They don't have that really quite so much when they're in arbitration. Yeah, I, I, I would take that comment a little bit further. I mean, I my experience with arbitrators is they're not really interested <laughs> in applying the rules of evidence at all, except to keep fairness in the proceedings. But their right. general answer to any conflict about, is this hearsay? Is this admissible? Is well, let's hear what the evidence is and I can assess its admissibility later and then you never hear about it again. Right. Yeah, so it seems much easier to get stuff into evidence, although, again, they can ignore the evidence they don't like because they're arbitrators. We should mention, by the way, that some arbitrations are with one arbitrator. Some arbitrations are with panels of three arbitrators. I've heard of arbitrations with more than that, but one and three are the most common. And that's usually set forth in the arbitration agreement itself. And it too will dictate, well, I mean, it dictates a lot of things. It dictates the cost of the proceeding. If you have to pay for three arbitrators, that's going to add a lot of cost. And it may also dictate your confidence that you'll get a fair result. Because when you have one arbitrator, and not a lot of possibility of appealing it to a court, you're kind of at the mercy of the person you get. All right, Jonathan, are there any, you know, I see decisions in the courts all the time on arbitration. Is there anything recent we should take note of? Yeah, um, there are decisions in the court all um, from courts all the time on arbitration provisions. Very often arbitration issues make their way to the U.S. Supreme Court They're constantly putting out pronouncements about their stance on arbitration. And one theme that's consistent, and we touched upon it earlier, is the federal policy to enforce arbitration provisions as written. There used to be a slight exception where if there was a question of whether or not a dispute was subject to arbitration, and that question was, quote, wholly groundless, when it was so obvious that this was not something that should be in arbitration, You can actually just go to the federal court and litigate the claim and have the federal court step in. Not anymore. If the arbitration provision says that arbitrability is to be decided by the arbitrator, even if it's wholly groundless, you still have to go to arbitration. You can't go to court. That's a more recent one of court rulings of the U.S. Supreme Court, and it's consistent with a lot of their precedents. Right. Again, it's, it's uh, an emphatic national policy in favor of arbitration. 
Finally, I guess let's have a word about finality, which we've alluded to. It is theoretically possible to go to court and seek to uh, vacate an arbitration award, is it not? It is. And the grounds for vacating the award are really very limited. You can't say, well, the arbitrator was wrong on the law. They didn't understand the facts. They didn't consider this piece of evidence. The courts aren't going to want to get get involved in that. By and large, the court's going to want to look at the fairness of the proceeding. When I say fairness, I mean, was there some kind of fraud that tainted the proceeding? Was there some kind of bias? And, and bias is a really hard hurdle to climb. It was there bias? Was there something so outside the realm that made the arbitrator issue its, his or her decision? That's really what the court's going to want to get involved in. If it's just, you know, like most arbitrations, you, you show up and, and, and the arbitrator issues the decision, the court will confirm the award one way or the other. All right. So when uh, we have guests on this program, we usually let them tell a little bit about what they do. I take it from our discussion, and I know you do some arbitration, but what else do you do in your legal practice, Jonathan? Sure. I am a commercial litigator at Tartar, Krinsky, and Drogan with you, Rich. I litigate all kinds of commercial matters in federal, state courts, of course, arbitrations and mediations. My practice really focuses on real estate issues, corporate governance issues, shareholder disputes, things of that nature. Okay. And we wrap up with a closing argument, which you may or may not have in arbitration. You know, in arbitration, they sometimes skip opening statements because you've already submitted a lot of paper to them. And sometimes they skip closing arguments. They just want a post-hearing brief. But we'll do a closing argument. This is my question to you, because arbitration is one of those things that I read about a lot, and it's addressed very hostily. People think that arbitration is something that deprives litigants of their rights to a trial and to a jury and that kind of thing. And it gets attacked as being really a tool to take claims away from people. Do you think generally arbitration is a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. I can't tell you how many times a week I talk to clients about the cost and expense of litigation because they're in court, both in terms of actual dollars spent and time. And these are clients who are not big, giant corporations that are looking to take advantage of people. These are regular people who are seeking legal help and help from the justice system. And one of the biggest bars to the courthouse door is just the time and expense associated with litigation. Arbitration helps those people too, because they can go into and get a quick decision on an issue or on a dispute they're having, and it's not going to cost them hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I, I would say, in general, arbitration is a good thing and helpful to, to our clients. And I would agree with that. You know, that there are definitely circumstances where arbitration is used as a tool to try to bust up class actions or limit remedies that plaintiffs might have. And I think that those are topics that are too broad for this particular episode. We could get into some other time. Those issues have to be addressed because used improperly, arbitration could be a hindrance. But starting with big businesses who do business together and decide that they would rather settle their disputes privately than go to court, 
I think more power to them. They should absolutely be permitted to do that. And it's a good thing. And most of the arbitration I see seems to be a helpful way to avoid some of the burdens and length and uncertainty of the court system. That's what I think. I'm with you. All right. You're with me. Although I wouldn't want everything to be an arbitration because I still myself like going down to the courthouse. I still like talking to the judge. I still like picking a jury, but I don't mind doing some arbitration too, right? Absolutely. That's what being a litigator is all about. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Jonathan Temption, thank you for joining us this week. Everybody out there, take care. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at tartarkrinsky.com. You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief.